0: But people come to see me because they have a problem. Yep. They kind of know where they want to get to, but they just don't know quite how to click that little part of the mind that lets them take that step. Mm-hmm. So I just help them. I help them click into that full on motivation and it's like I said, whether I can see them or not with technology, if the audio is there and I can speak and interact, it's a winner.
1: Have you ever let stress get the better of you? Want to know how to maximize your productivity? My name is Tommy Bowie. follow me as I deep dive into the minds of successful entrepreneurs and industry professionals on the tools, tips and strategies they use to overcome stress and boost productivity in their daily lives, especially when the going gets tough and the stakes are high. This is the Stressless Entrepreneur Podcast. The guest that I have here with me today is the owner of Canberra-based Mindworks, combining neuro-linguistic programming, cognitive behavioural therapy and positive psychology with traditional and modern hypnosis for the fastest, most successful results. Specializing in anxiety and empowerment, his proven track record features in national and international media. Clients span more than 30 countries and includes celebrities, sporting champions, royalty, government, special forces, esteemed medical practitioners, and members of academia. He is the ex-president of the Australian Association of Professional Hypnotherapy, and NLP, Australian board advisor to the International Association of Weight Loss Hypnotherapists, and an international student advisor at the UK School of Natural Health Sciences. He is one of only 3000 carefully selected teachers on Insight Timer, the largest free meditation app on the planet today. In addition to a busy private practice, he regularly presents free public events to highlight the perils of stress and anxiety and ultimately how to overcome modern-day mental health challenges. Richard Scott, thank you for being part of the Stressless Entrepreneurs Launch Week. My pleasure. Thank you for being here. I'm excited to speak to you today, especially in regards to your expertise in anxiety and stress management. But I guess before we speak about that, are you able to tell the listeners just a bit about yourself and... Where you're from, and also how you got into the industry that is coaching.
0: Sure, absolutely. Well, I hail from the UK, as you'll be able to tell from the accent. Mm-hmm. So, I had an innate interest in art and design. Funnily enough, art and design as a kid, I used to draw things, produce my own little magazines, artwork, and it led to a, a career in graphic design. Yep. Which, as we all know, leads into advertising, marketing, forms of persuasion, and I was really good at persuading people to go places. Mm-hmm. Uh, buy things, buy products, do things. So I became headhunted. I was headhunted to work on brands like Star Wars, Barbie, Spider-Man, Porsche, Lamborghini, big brands, um, Richard Branson, virgin brand, tourism industries, because I was good at influencing people and getting messages across whatever platform into people's heads. I basically got bored with it. Uh, as funny as that might sound, I got bored with the industry because I, was, I, just, I wasn't helping enough people. I had this innate want this need desire to help people so I took whatever um, basic talents I had in the form of persuasion and started to look into mindset work and I started to study uh, neurolinguistic programming uh, cognitive behavioral therapy hypnosis and hypnotherapy and meditation and branches of psychology and I, I found my calling there and then as soon as I started learning this stuff I found it I was good at it and I enjoyed doing it. it became my why to see that person on the other side, the person's face change when I gave them a surefire way to improve either on being themselves or improve in business. It just fills me with the, the kind of good feelings when I know I've helped someone else. So that was my kind of weird way into the, the industry. But I was told not to study psychology, funnily enough, even as part of coaching and mindset coaching. Mm-hmm. And this was from a senior lecturer in a university that I was based at. I had my office. He came to see me professionally. I helped him with something that he couldn't actually handle at the time. And this was the person who was heading the psych department of the university that I was based at. Uh, he was stunned at how fast I got results. I would not seen it before. So he said, whatever you do, don't study psychology. <laughs> it's regimented. It's, <laughs> it's routine based and do what you do because I basically pick the best from different disciplines and principles, put them together and they work. So and that's my story basically.
1: There's a couple of things you mentioned there. You initially started and worked in graphic design. Yes. And then slowly there's a shift in trying to figure out what's your why and what it is that yeah. you were trying to do in this world, yeah. I guess, to what it is that you were trying to achieve. Was that a remote working lifestyle or were you actually working at an office at that time? I
0: was based in a studio. Yep. Obviously, through learning, you go to college, university, etc. But when I actually started the career, I was based in a studio on the bottom run. We used to call them Mac Monkeys, the people who were on Apple Macs, but they just did all the, the low jobs, production work. So I started at the bottom mm-hmm. and the, the bosses saw my talent. I always had this interest and this spark and this need to learn more and do more and be better at it. So I was promoted rapidly uh, until I basically headed the design team. And then I took an interest in the software and I became the systems manager. I was basically ended up running the studio and I ended up co-owning the agency in my, in my career. Mm-hmm. And it was at that point, it was this, it was an in, almost like an internal shift. I started with this interest in in learning more, gathering more, bettering myself. And as I was doing this, I saw that. I wanted to help other people in my own journey because I knew I was good at getting messages across and understanding how people thought and how they ticked and what brought them joy. And I thought, right, I can use this in an entirely different way. Uh, And I was traditionally in an industry, art, design, marketing, that's very high stressed. We were dealing with millions and millions of pounds, dollars now at the time, millions of pounds every day. And if we made mistakes that went, so it was a high stress. So I had to learn even from then ways of keeping their stress down and for for the team beneath me as well. So I was coaching people in calming them down and getting to just narrow the focus down onto one thing at a time instead of becoming overwhelmed and overwhelmed. So even then I was starting to take on some of the techniques that I teach now without knowing what I was doing. It was this kind of like this innate natural thing. So that's the progression.
1: And let's go back to the conversation with yourself and your lecturer at that time. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so your approach or how you've been able to tackle or get into the coaching and mindset industry is yeah. by ex- actually experiencing the high stress environment and then also yeah. and actually seeing tangible results.
0: Yeah, absolutely. On a personal note, as a child I was absolutely highly anxious, ultra anxious to the point that I would actually hide underneath my mom's skirt if anyone approached me, spoke to me, I would dive under the skirt, really, absolutely, chronically shy, so I know exactly what anxiety is, what stress is, and I'm talking as a child now, so I had to learn coping skills as a child to get through that, um, and to actually gain confidence, the secret to me was joining a martial arts club, which was absolutely crazy when you think of a little young, shy child, Mm -hmm. but I joined a martial arts club, um, within three and a half years I uh, became a black belt um, and I, I then I just found my confidence I found who I was not in the ability to beat people up that was like a byproduct but what it was it taught me this self-confidence that you are worth something and you can work on yourself and be better and better every single thing so I got that kind of psychology almost like drummed into me from a little child so when I started the shift from design work into personally treating people stress anxiety and then coaching them it was it was quite easy to develop what i'd been taught and coping skills that i'd learned in a into a professional environment and because my actual my professional office was based on the university campus so i had staff and students alike coming to see me all day every day and the like i said the psychology department got wind of what i was doing So they sent people to see me too. And I ended up treating the head honcho at the psych department. He was so impressed, he sent his son to be treated as well. And it was just really simple, selecting different techniques from different disciplines that I've learned, whether it's more physically reducing stress, giving them hints and tips to do that, or mentally reducing stress, which was where the psychology department came into their own. But I added lots of different strings to the bow in getting it done faster. Because what I did was I introduced hypnosis into the mix and basically bypassed this critical analytical part of the mind and got down to the nitty-gritty emotional part, which usually blocks you. It gives you the fear of failure or sometimes even the fear of success. And that's all in your emotional creative area. When I got suggestions into there, things just changed really, really quickly. I mean, I'm now able to treat people in three or four sessions. Whereas traditional psychology would be going for a year or two. Testament to that, only a few days ago, I had someone sitting in the chair that I'm sitting in now, my treatment chair. Mm-hmm. And he said, I've learned more in this afternoon with you than I have done in seven years of therapy with my psychologist and psychiatrist. It, and it's just statements like that that remind me of why I'm doing what I do now and why I get so, I don't know, still so passionate about it. The word passionate is overused nowadays, but... It's that feeling, that drive. This is why I'm doing it. And to get those things said back to you, reflected back towards you, it's, it's the best feeling in the world.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely fantastic to hear that, you know, you, you were able to to divert into a role where it was quite, I guess, more fulfilling. And yep. I want to take you back to the initial stages where you made that decision to divert hmm. from that moment on until now. Do you? you ever doubt yourself in terms of have you made the right decision or when people are saying, you know, because you haven't gone through the traditional path of studying psychology and getting that skill set through the theory, do you get the naysayers Mm. that say, you know, you're just all talk and the skeptics that come to you?
0: Yes. Yeah, yeah. There will always be skeptics to anything. Mm -hmm. Um, We're in a world of ego. We're in an absolute world of ego. It seems the more, the higher the profile you have, Usually the bigger ego comes with it. And my main industry that I'm actually in, because it involves hypnosis and hypnotherapy and NLP and CBT, Mm -hmm. and it's not absolutely strictly guidelined, we have various associations and accreditations that, that we belong to or that we should belong to as professionals. But because it hasn't gone through a university system, it's kind of played down as like a... I've been called new age voodoo um mm-hmm. <laughs> airy fairy <laughs> yep but the thing is my results speak for themselves in 15 years full-time practice there have been less than 10 people that it hasn't actually worked for less than 10 and that's treating clients every day for 15 years so it's highly effective and because i've treated people in the psychology department who actually teach psychology at university mm-hmm. level yep and they've, they've given testament to me that what I do is effective, highly effective. And, and word spread through the university. And I actually had a room full of midwives come to see me because they wanted to learn how I did my stuff so that they could alleviate the stress and anxiety of pregnant women. And so it kind of ripples through uh, different applications. But when I left the office and came over here to Australia, it went more into corporate world, entrepreneur, a career-based, uh, work-based stuff rather than personal treatments so quite a lot of my clients now are the business people the corporates the ceos but yeah it's it's weird i have to change the way i kind of market myself and i have to play down the fact that i use hypnosis and call it mindset coaching i mean it's pretty much the same thing Um, you are you're giving suggestions as to how to think more effectively think smarter and not necessarily harder but just think smarter And there are so many different ways of doing it. It's all in the labeling. But if someone picks up on something they don't understand fully, they run from it. So when I came over to Australia, I had to hide the fact that I used hypnosis. And I basically said I was a mindset coach. And it worked. People came to see me left, right and center. Oh God, this is great. And I wouldn't say, I know I'm gonna hypnotize you or anything like that. I would say, let's do some little thought exercises Cause stress comes from your head. It comes from your mind and your imagination. Let's use that. Let's flip it around. Let's get you into some dynamic role, some excited role, instead of this anxious role, that's basically the patter that you do when you're inducing someone into hypnosis, you're getting them into a, like a yes state Mm -hmm. uh, or a relaxed state. So I, I have that kind of, that excitement and the, the gift of getting someone into that role, into that moment. I'm getting them to think clear, and I don't need to label it, so when they came to see me, drop the hypnosis part and just get into the actual session, so they didn't actually know what I was doing, but it worked anyway um so i so I tend not to label
1: mm-hmm. and your move from the u k to Australia, yes, was there a massive shift in the audience that you were speaking to or trying to Oh, yes. Help or... <laughs> yep.
0: <laughs> that was a big shift, yeah. Okay. Um, yep. People ask me why. Why did I leave the UK? Well, my wife's Australian. And no, I didn't hypnotize her to marry me. She does often wonder <laughs> that. Um, did, you, got... did
1: you meet over in the, over in the UK? Or?
0: We actually met online before okay. online yep.
1: dating was a thing. Um, mm-hmm.
0: Because we were both designers, we were both online most of the time anyway. And there were basic forums and chat um, areas that people could throw ideas around and solutions, hints, tips, creative hints. And we met online, started chatting for a year and a half. We became best friends. We hadn't met each other, but we, we became best friends. So it took a year and a half. And then she came over to the UK to visit and basically left 15 years later with husband and a child. <laughs> so that brought me back over to Australia and in the move to Australia from the UK, I'd become established. Yep. I'd been interviewed, news articles, papers, magazines, national, international, radio, TV. I'd been well, basically all over the planet, but I was quite well known in the UK for what I did. And coming over here, absolutely unknown. And the attitude as well, over me starting 15 years and then to, to leave to Australia 15 years later, it was a case that the whole industry of what I did became more and more well-known so much so that the, the health service, the national health service, they started taking on board forms of hypnotherapy and they were actually calling it hypnotherapy. It had, it had kind of gone into mainstream. Nurses were using it for childbirth. Doctors were recommending it for IBS and chronic stress reduction. So the word was getting out there and it was much more acceptable. When I came over here, it was right back to being voodoo again. It was right back to being new age. And it was like stepping into, into a country 10 years in the past. No offense intended, but the general attitude, I mentioned hypnosis, was to run away. So that's why I had to remarket myself and pitch myself in a different way. And I just dropped that labeling system of what it was that I did and let the results speak for themselves. So it was a shift in that the general attitude of people here seemed to be a lot more laid back and they only basically got up and took care of themselves when they were on death's door. It was an absolute last chance saloon that I got to see people. But as I've been here for five years now, I'm starting to get known around the area, around the industries, definitely. And I I still don't push what I do as in the hypnosis side of it, but Mm -hmm. I don't hide it either i'm not afraid of the results they speak for themselves and because technology fantastic technology means that we can speak like we are doing now even in video format so i can treat people around the world at the click of a finger press of a button i can be speaking to someone in new york treating them the very next second in singapore which is why i have bags under my eyes usually because i'm often treating people around the world at various time zones and the calendar is all over the place but it means that I just basically uh, have one website, people visit it, and they get all the information that they want from there. I wanted everything to be clear and concise. And technology just paves the way to kind of instant therapy. I mean, you don't even have to visit me physically. It's just online and it's still as successful as long as you can hear me. And it's even better if I can actually see you at the same time, but it's still successful. So, yeah, that that was the step from one-on-one, um, and a few little group sessions in the UK to global work over here in Australia, which basically has gone from success to success.
1: Yep. Yeah, and it's fantastic to hear you say that even though you are based in Australia, that you are a global business. Absolutely. Now let's talk more about that online interface in yeah. your coaching industry. Yeah. Does video interfacing affect? results? Have you tracked that compared to, you know, if you were to do the one-on-one face-to-face if they're in the live environment?
0: Yeah. The only drawback I've seen is that when you're relying on technology, you're relying on a clear internet signal. You're relying on that bandwidth speed. Yeah. And yeah. if it's video work and I get like a picture lag, it's not too bad because the audio still goes through. Yep. But basically what I do is I talk people through different suggestions. I collect all their information, I see what's going on, collect all that case history, and I get together with them and I I ask basically where do you want to go? What do you want to do? What do you want to be? What results do you want? Let's get a goal in mind. Let's get a a roadmap there and break everything down into little achievable targets, smart goals, time-based goals. So I only have to be speaking to the people to get the information from them. And we basically work together to get those suggestions in there. And when it's a when it's time to actually do the therapy, the client actually shuts up, they just stay quiet. And I just go into giving them positive suggestions, how to increase their own relaxation techniques, how to get from point A to B and how to think differently and smarter and clearer. And one of the major factors is teaching them how to drop the little bits of emotional baggage and fears that they pick up through life.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And as long as they can hear me, it doesn't matter where they are in the world. If that audio signal is clear, fantastic, it works. I can't ever make anybody do whatever they don't want to do. That's this big misconception with the whole hypnosis. People see stage shows and they think I'm going to make them cluck like a chicken or dance around like Elvis on stage, that kind of thing. If people want to pay me to do that, that's their problem. (laughs) They're paying for it. But people come to see me because they have a problem they kind of know where they want to get to but they just don't know quite how to click that little part of the mind that lets them take that step so i just help them i help them click into that full-on motivation and it's like i said whether i can see them or not with technology if the audio is there and i can speak and interact it's a winner and i regularly have people from a year two years ten years down the line sending me random emails hey how are you doing just letting you know i've got a family now i'm owning my own business now i'm a ceo now and things are going really really well thanks so much for your help and little comments like you changed my entire life Uh, and even deeper ones you stopped me from killing myself those kind of comments on every level and these are coming from people 10 15 years ago that were treated so yeah it's when people come to see me I give them the means to help themselves and I think that's what quite a lot of coaches don't do they have people coming to see them so that they can treat them there and then and because I give people the means to do this themselves and I give them all the techniques and I record our sessions so they can listen to them again and again and again they don't need to come back to see me which in in business as an entrepreneur you would kind of think well one of the most effective ways maybe to get people to return to you and return visits. But there are different ways of doing that. In my industry, it might be upselling onto an actual long-term coaching package rather than the short, sharp one. So it's, I give people the the means to carry on with their own form of therapy. and Yeah. 10, 15 years down the track, they're still listening to what I said on that day one and still doing that. And it can process onto coaching packages, which can be infinite. They can pay me a certain amount of money each year and they have access to me either fortnightly or monthly or six monthly, just as little catch up calls, or they can come for the short, sharp one-on-one sessions, um, which basically last four hours and can be spread over like once a week or once a fortnight. But there are various different levels to what you can offer to either get people coming back for more without feeling like you're kind of taking advantage of them in any way or trying to upsell a product that's too expensive, give them the means to treat themselves and they'll appreciate that and they have done. And it's because of that, they've then referred friends to me and referred colleagues to me. Uh, And in the case of corporate world, when I've treated CEOs, they've paid for um, various block number of sessions and given them out to employees Mm -hmm. So they've they've held like a bank of sessions and then whenever an employee needed one, they would get in touch with me and there's the prepaid session. So there were were always ways of one-on-one therapy going into the corporate world, going into group sessions and events and then going for long-term coaching packages as well without it sounding like you're kind of upselling in any way.
1: Is there a common theme that you're seeing come up often when it comes to treating clients that are in the corporate world, in the entrepreneurial world?
0: Yes, fear of failure. Number one, fear of failure. Yep. Uh, number two, fear of success. Funnily enough, fear of failure. If you break it down, you, you're basically afraid to try something because you're afraid you'll fail if you try. That's often stemmed from in the past, something may have happened to you where you've tried something and failed. So you've just learned not to go there to avoid it. Uh, which is not the best thing to do, or it's come from an absolutely unrelated event. Uh, Let's say right back to school age, where some teacher may have asked you a question and you didn't know the answer, or you got Mm -hmm. the answer wrong, and people laughed at you. You got something wrong. You tried, you attempted an answer, something went wrong. It became all eyes on you, rabbit in a headlight, spotlight syndrome, and you froze. And at that moment, you may have created this fight or flight response this this initial sensitizing event, that which you then carried through into your work ethic, into your career, and it stopped you from really going for gold. You've just settled for bronze. You might have settled for silver, but you've not gone for gold, because what if it goes wrong? So I've had many, many fear of failure CEOs, and they've already gotten to quite big success in their own right, I'm now talking the multimillionaire CEOs yep, that live half yep. a year on their own yachts. Some of those have a fear of success in that if they get even bigger and even better, it puts them into contact with bigger and better people in essence uh, or a whole different ball game. So when, when they hit different levels of success, they're almost afraid of what they might run into and whether they'll be overwhelmed or whether they can handle it. So it's, it's the flip side of a coin. You you fear failure, so you don't attempt it. Or you fear success, so you don't attempt it. Um, That's been predominant, in basically, in the corporate world. They're the big ones. Underlying stress, yeah, without a doubt, because life throws stress at you. Um, Things that are uncertain about life, because it changes every day, you you become stressed if you can't control things. Um, And in essence, (laughs) nobody can ever control, except what you think and how you react to it, how you think and how you behave. They're the only two things that you will ever be able to control. Everything else, that kind of essence of control, it's an illusion. I can't control what you're going to say next. I can't control mm-hmm. what you're going to do next.
2: Mm-hmm. But
0: I can try and influence it by creating almost like a, an essence of control as to how I react to things. And if I'm if I'm bright and excited about something, that will start to ripple through to the people I'm in contact with. And of course, if I'm calm and I'm kind of reserved and I'm confident and motivated, that exudes out to other people as well. So just control, teaching people how to control the way they think and the way they react to things. It's the key to everything, especially in the corporate world, because it's all about getting ahead. Being a better version of you and trying to get your business either more streamlined or getting people to come back on return visits, more clients, those kind of things. But there are key components to get each one of those anyway. I mean, there are thousands of books (laughs) that people can read.
1: Yep. It's really interesting that you mention that you have clients that, you know, are making an income of millions of dollars a year, yet they're yeah. still stressed about their life and what's to come in, in the future. But it's yeah. almost as if, if they just change the perception of that monetary value or Absolutely. reassess, yeah. you know, what it is that they're spending in terms of, there could be that fear of if I made a big mistake chasing further success, then I could lose everything in terms of reputation and the yeah. wealth that I've built up. Yeah. It's
0: monetary, you can lose money. Ego-wise, you can lose face. And you could lose status, lose credibility. When someone starts off in any kind of business, if you are chasing money, that's going to be the carrot that dangles in front of your head. It's going to be your Achilles heel as well, because you're going to fear losing that. If you're doing it for a bigger purpose than yourself, and you're creating some kind of change, it's almost like you eliminate that fear because you're not chasing the money now don't get me wrong money brings opportunity there have been various studies as to whether uh, money balances out with happiness I think it's like kind of correlation of course there is a slight correlation with it because if you don't have money you you don't have opportunity that ultimately is what money is money is opportunity it can bring like business opportunities or connections, it could bring means to advertise and push yourself further. If you don't have that money, you don't eat. So there is money is definitely important to some stage of happiness. But like I said, there were various studies I've been reading over the last half year or so. Um, There are books that have been presented, Solve for Happy uh, and A Guide to Happiness. And I think there is a book just called Happy. I think Darren Brown wrote the last one. And there were studies that above a certain wage threshold, the more you earned, actually brought more pressure because you feared losing it. And people who weren't too less were obviously chasing to, to find the money to, for the means of living. But there was a, a, a wage bracket. And I mean, the study was done over in the UK. They found a certain kind of wage span. where people were generally happy, they were comfortable. I think that was the word, comfortable they knew they had money coming in, they didn't have all this money to lose, but they were just comfortable. So I think you can track wealth against happiness to a certain level, but if that's all you're doing this business for, to get rich, it will come back and bite you on the ass, to excuse the French, it will be your Achilles heel, because you will fear losing it. But if you're doing it for, like I said, for a reason, something bigger than yourself, that becomes your why. Have you heard of, um, who was it? Was it Simon Sinek?
1: Simon Sinek, yep. What's your why? The, the book, the author?
0: That's the one, yeah, yeah. I saw his YouTube video. That's, that's all I've seen in that.
1: That's with, is it with the, the circles and, uh, that he's drawing on? Yep. Once you have that why,
0: why you're doing this, it, it, it resolves everything because you always go back to that. It ripples out from why am I doing this? And it's so simple, absolutely so simple. Most of my failures have been when I've taken my eye off the ball. When I've, as an entrepreneur, you're you're working on the business, uh, growing it, um, making it more streamlined and more productive. But I'm also working in the business as well, treating people. So I'm trying to market myself and do all the background work and do the involved therapy work as well. And when I've, Poured my mind, got too focused on one of them and let the other slip. That's what I've seen as failures. You have to be really careful how I say this because to me, I'm always teaching people that failure doesn't exist. Whenever something's gone wrong, I've turned it into a positive because it's taught me where things have gone wrong. And it's actually become become a success because I've learned how not to do something. So
1: it's a positive. And that's the basis of NLP, isn't it?
0: Yeah, basically reframing, turning things yep. into a positive, finding the good in everything. And if you can do that and you can think, right, I'm not going to fear failure because if I fail, it's going to teach me. So in the end, I end up winning or learning. Bonus. <laughs> you can't go wrong. And it's if money is involved in that, that's where things get hairy. Because if you're losing lots and lots of money, fear gets behind that. But if you're just getting smarter and wiser and buffering things learning better ways to do things rather than working harder because there is that that kind of misconception that as an entrepreneur it's sold to you as oh you can be your own boss you you'll have freedom to do things freedom to go places but then on the flip side people are saying oh as an entrepreneur you've got to put in every single hour you can you've got to work harder than everybody else and late nights and early mornings and it's like Okay, which one is it then? I think the key is to work smarter. Take some time, chill out, and get a plan together. I think Tony Robbins said, why do all the hard work? People have done all this hard work before. See where people have gone wrong. Mm -hmm. Model them like in NLP. See see what the successes are. See what's led to the successes. Model that. Try it out for yourself. And then you, you already, you kind of, inject yourself at a certain level of success because you're taking on board how smart other people have worked when they've gotten to a certain level so i can't deny that it is hard work when you start but that hard work it just feels not like hard work because if you're doing something if you've found your why then you're doing it because you've got this passion this drive and uh, at the start especially I was often told, right, put your work down now. I was like, oh, but this is a good bit. This is no, put your work down now. It's family mm-hmm. time and come back to earth. <laughs> and it, it wasn't a job. It, it was this passion and it was excitement. And, and I enjoyed doing it. It was like a pastime. It still does feel like that. It's like a pastime. Whenever I step into mindset mode, the excitement comes out. So it, it's not like it's this bind where you have to work all hours every day if you're doing it as a passion that just goes out the window anyway you can wake up open your eyes and you can be in work mode because it's so exciting and and you enjoy what you're doing whereas the normal grind that people throw themselves into nine to five jobs or whatever I think that's where they kind of lose interest because they're not filling their own passion they're just they're kind of they're in a situation where people are just paying them to churn out work so I would I would always advise someone to try and do whatever they can to make life more interesting. Uh, if that's something to do with work, get a sideline hustle or something, um, but follow your own passion. See what you're interested in, see what you're good at, and see if you can monetize that somehow. And just try it, especially the youth of today. Just try it. There's, um, <laughs> I might be waffling on, but there's a, a the word branded around snowflakes. Yep. I, re- I really don't want to offend anybody. Um, <laughs> it's not in my nature to do that. But resilience, that's what, that's what I was taught from youth. One of my key lessons from getting rid of anxiety and stress for myself. Keep going, keep trying, and try smarter, not harder. And if something failed, do it a different way. If something failed, do it a different way. And I learned to open up my head to, to basically dismiss failure. Uh, and it was like I said, right at the beginning of this, I used to hide underneath my mum's skirt. When somebody spoke to me, I went from that within two or three years, uh, I'm talking at school now. I entered the school choir. I was singing solo in front of a full school. I was in school plays. I was in the sports team. I had school sports records. I just threw myself into anything and everything. And I just didn't fear failure. And because of that, I just kept going and going and going. And just became successful. And all through that, I just saw it as me bettering myself and not once did I compare myself to anyone else, not once. Uh, And in like, I'm better than you, or I'm better than you, no amount of conceit ever, because I did it to better myself. And the only person I ever compared myself with was me, who I was yesterday. If I'm a better person today, that's great. If I can be better tomorrow, that's even better. And that's the mindset I like to instill in my clients comparison. It will kick you in the ass. If you're comparing with other people, you have to truly know that person in order to compare yourself with them. Because the the glittery, glamorous veneer of social media and online stuff, it's, it's often a false story that people are putting out there. These multimillionaire coaches and everything, that come to me to be treated. Yep. Uh, the CEOs of multi-million dollar companies coming to me because they cry themselves to sleep at night. The these glamour models that don't go out of the house. It's all like a big polished veneer of success, but most of it isn't true. It's just advertising lies. And to an extent, that's why I got out of the industry. I saw it going down that route, and it it turned me off being part of it. I wanted to teach people how to stay in the moment and true to themselves and just be better at being you, basically.
1: I love that you talk about being better than you were yesterday. One of the reasons why I started this podcast is because I'm always on that journey of personal development. And the podcast is a means for me to build that confidence and that space where I can help others yeah but also the second reason is like you said you know success sometimes comes with a trade-off and i want to be able to gain some insight from those who have seen success and yeah. i guess was it worth it in the end chasing that success and you know what, what has happened along the journey that they may or may may miss and can i guess teach our listeners so that they don't make those mistakes
0: yeah it depends on what you're chasing. I absolutely hear and absolutely agree with what you're saying. There will always be, you can call them trade-offs, but I would yep. probably step into NLP mode. I'd call it priorities. Yep. One thing has to be more important or more productive than something else. And it's, I think that would be one of my main hints that I would give, main tips to entrepreneurs is to pick the priorities every time you can be absolutely overwhelmed in doing things and uh, having a ton of stuff all day, every day. And you'll just rock it into adrenaline mode. Your body will flush with cortisol and stress chemicals. You'll end up having a panic attack, but if you can pick priorities, um, Oh, let me think. Um, there was a book. Let me just get it. I'm just walking around my mental library now. Um, skyrocket, skyrocket your productivity. Skyrocket your productivity, Daniels oh, it's a C word. Surescu. Something like skyrocket your productiv- productivity. Get your mm-hmm. listeners to have a look at that book. Um yep. he goes on about getting out of overwhelm by choosing your three most valuable priorities. I'm trying to recall the book here. Uh, three most valuable priorities. If you can monitor what you've done for like a week or a month and track them back, record them somehow, jot them down on a piece of paper and take a bit of time look back on what you've done and pick out the ones that have been most successful whatever that means to you that could mean a better life a better career a better job business family wealth whatever it is you're chasing whatever you've done over that past week or that past month that has brought you the most success in that area note it down and gather together the top one that's brought you the most and then maybe just branch out to the next two beneath that and if you focus on doing those things, just three priorities every day, that's all you have to achieve. Three things. It suddenly makes a 24-hour day seem a lot easier because you've done these three things, the three things that are most productive. And anything else after that, it's a bonus. But you've done the three like most productive, most lucrative things that you could have done in every day And you can be proud of yourself for doing that. And it kind of gives you motivation. If you get out of bed and you think, I've only got three things to do today. It's not overwhelming. And then of course you divide them down into um, eating the frog first, doing the biggest or the scariest thing first. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's out the way. The other two are easy. But when I've attended coaching courses and business development courses and everything, And there have been people saying, yeah, get as much done as you can all day, every day, get up at five, because nobody's up at five. And then you can do 100 jobs before breakfast. And it's like, what? And it's so counterproductive. The ones that have got it right have been the ones that have said, one job at a time. Because that's all you'll ever do. One job at a time. When you've done that, move on to the next. And at the end of the day, if you've only done two or three jobs, and guess what? you've still done two or three jobs. So you can be proud of that because people can really simply step into this negative mindset of, Oh, I've not done this. And I've not done that. And I've not done this. And they see the negatives in everything. But if you can spin it back and say, right, I've done the three most valuable things I can, even if it's I've done one, the one most valuable thing I can, it's a positive step towards the future. You've put one foot in front of the other and that's how we get somewhere that means you're still on your journey towards that goal. So, yeah, prioritize.
1: There's a couple of things in there and it comes down to one, I think, being able to link those priorities to your why. Yeah. And what's the intent? What what's the outcome? You know, are you getting closer to achieving the why? Yeah. But also understanding that this is a long-term game for many as well. That progress is progress and sometimes it's not necessary what the day, day's progress is, but more so the span of the week or the month, that's Absolutely. when you can really assess you know, the consistency or you know, are you living by your values and consistent with your approach as well?
0: Yeah, that's, I mean, you mentioned the word progress. That's another really good tip. I've done a blog post that I think highlights three really good tips for entrepreneurs. I'll fish that one out.
1: Yep, I'll make sure to have it down in the show notes below. One of those
0: is progress. Progress, not perfection. If you learn to accept that the world isn't perfect, you're not perfect, but you're doing your best. If something goes wrong, you learn from it. But people who chase perfection, it, it's like this elusive goal, because what you think is perfect, someone else might not think is perfect. So it's kind of like an illusion that you're chasing. Realise that your best is good enough. If you're like I said, if you're taking that step forward, then you journey, you're on your journey, and that can be applied to personal life and like a life as an entrepreneur. It's sometimes you've got to let bits of professional work slip in order to spend time with family and spend time on your own health because you've got to have these priorities. But when it's like you mentioned the trade-offs and, and I just switched it into priority mode, as long as mm-hmm. you're doing something that's furthering you as a person or as a business entity or entrepreneur, you're still going forward you're still making progress. If whatever you're chasing, you've prioritized, you'll make progress in there. But you've always got to remember that we are rounded people. We have this work life, we have professional life, we have personal life. And if you trade off a personal life for full on professional life, you'll start to suffer because you will lose your own identity. You'll forget what it is that you like and who you are as a person. Uh, you may even trade off your own health. So it, it's always absolutely paramount that you have certain priorities in mind. And I mean, I would always put, I live with my wife and my little girl, I'd always put them first. Regardless, anything that happens, they would come first in an emergency situation. Work, that's second. It's, it's irrelevant as opposed to them. But if they're happy in content, I can throw myself into work. But I will always give myself time to do what I want to do and go off and read a book completely about like my own passions or pastimes or things that I like doing. I'm I like reading anything and everything I've probably got at any given time. I've got about 20 books on my Kindle and they come, uh, they can range from SAS tips and tricks for mindset stuff or survival techniques, you know, mm-hmm. productivity stuff, anything through to magic and movies and mystery and mythology um, I like such a wide range of things and it reminds me of who I am as a person and it takes me back to times of childhood uh, adventures when you're reading about certain things and going off on amazing weird and wonderful journeys but always spend that time for yourself to remember who you are to fuel up like your inner energy and then you can channel that into why you're doing what you're doing and you just you're continuously topping up your own energy And then you can give out. If you have no energy internally, you've got nothing to give. So you'll burn out. And I saw many, many people burn out in the design industry, the marketing and advertising, where it was just so high pressure. And there was just such high pressure to put on you to work all day, every day and hit really stupid deadlines and not take that time off for yourself to kind of refill your own cup, as it were. So, yeah pick your priorities vitally, and then see progress instead of perfection. It's Mm -hmm. the way Mm -hmm. forward, literally.
1: For our listeners who may be going through some form of stress or some form of pressure, are you able to talk them through your business, Mindworks, and what it is that the business delivers in terms of uh, help and all the different ways that they can reach you to get some advice?
0: Absolutely, yeah. In a nutshell, stress and anxiety, it surrounds us all. If we let it get inside our heads, it slows us down. Stress and anxiety slows you down mentally. It puts blinkers on you, so you can't see the bigger picture. You lose track of your long-term goal. It also affects you physically. Mental stress turns psychosomatic. That means it just comes out physical aches, pains, physical injuries. So if you can learn to basically calm your mind down, through various different techniques, just simple calming your mind down, it will have a knock-on effect to you physically. And the energy that you used in carrying around all this stress and battling it will then just be channeled into progress. And it's as simple as that. When people come to see me, they're stressed and anxious. I teach them how to calm down. I teach them how to track back through their past and disengage with any of these traumatic moments that they've been facing and carrying around with you. We all carry around little stories as to why we should behave a certain way or who we are as a person. But sometimes those stories have been created as a little child who didn't fully understand the situation. And once that situation is better understood, you can drop the the emotional links with it, if they're negative ones, and then choose which way you want to go forward. So I gathered that all into a little four-step program de-stressing, getting rid of the emotional baggage, creating better alternative reactions for yourself, and then supercharging your, your own confidence and self-esteem. Just four simple steps. And that's what I designed the program about.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I take pretty much every client through that process. And it's basically one session a week or one session a fortnight. Um, or they can choose to do it online. They can download the sessions. And that is that is my key uh, product in a nutshell and it can apply to various different demographics just the audios uh, which were more affordable or the full in-person sessions uh, for people who were affording that and they then go on to coaching packages when they find it so successfully um, they get to a certain level and then they want to do more and they want to do more so they go on to a coaching package but yeah I, I formed that around the the company Mindworks um, which anyone can visit www.mind.works. And I wanted it to be really clear, really concise, and every bit of information anyone would ever ask is on there. Past symptoms, case histories, uh, testimonials, all the costs, every bit of information. I want it to be upfront. So when people actually approach me, I can say, have you been through the website? Yeah. Well, you'll know all the answers then. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you want to go ahead? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) It's almost like from an entrepreneurial point of view, I would then be selecting the low hanging fruit. And I know that's kind of derogatory in a way, but if somebody is clued up on exactly what I do, there's no hidden bombshells. They just know what the results are, what the process is, go ahead with it. Uh, And that's all they need to make that decision. And even if they want to break in slowly, on the website, there is a free section. So I offer little freebies, little free e-courses, free downloads, free little ebooks uh, for anyone to go grab, get a gist of what it is, have a practice at stuff. And when you realize how good it is, come back and see me. It's, it's as simple as that. I've, I've jumped out of the, the pressure cell game. Uh, I'm just not in that anymore. I want people to have all the information and to let them make that decision. And that's where I'm differing from other people because they tend to hide information so that they can try and misguide people at a later date or upsell into something else. I want people to know that all of that first and then they make the decision having been informed. And it, in a way, it makes me feel a lot better because I don't have to revisit that world of salesman again. And I just basically step into the, yeah, I'm here to help. If you know what you want and I can provide that, I'm here to help. And it's just a win-win. And the client enjoys it, progresses. I enjoy it. And there's no hidden, like I said, hidden bombshells in there, hidden catches.
1: Yep. Yeah, and it's it's about transparency, but also helping those that actually want to be helped. So yes. yeah, it's great that you provide that clarity and the freebies as well, which is, for people who are a bit hesitant yeah. and unsure that's yeah. the that's the the best way forward
0: absolutely places have started offering free consultations now i've always done that right from the beginning because i want to speak to the person that, that is approaching me i want to i don't know get get a gist of what they're all about why they're coming to see me what they want to achieve from it and similarly they get a feel for how i operate And if we have that rapport and they're they're clued up on all the information, I get all the information I need. We simply go ahead. But yeah, I I offer those free consultations, offering them to your listeners, anyone free half an hour chat with me, phone, Skype, uh, Zoom, in person, however they want to approach. And they get a free half hour chat. We go through the case history. If I can help, I'll tell them how I can help. If not, I'll refer them onto either some article that I've read or somebody that I know that could help them. But its I'm never once in the me, me, me. I want to collect everyone that I can. I just want that person to be helped. And if I can't do that, I might know someone who can. And that's another thing in working with other people, forming connections with other businesses, referral networks. It's amazing because I only advertised my own business for maybe the first two years of its life the rest has gone on from articles that i've been part of or networks that i've been associated with um or referrals uh, word of mouth past clients if you treat the client really well they'll remember it and if they go out and see someone else who needs that help your name will be straight up on the top of their minds and you've already taken over the first step there the hesitancy because somebody else who that person trusts has referred you. So you've already got past that first barrier, that first hurdle of oh shall I go see him or not? Mm. Mm-hmm. So it's network anytime you can with anyone and everyone always talk about how your business can help somebody, not sell to people, but how it can help. Um, and it takes away that kind of almost like that cheesy sales tactic feel behind it. You're just there to help someone, there to help someone else achieve something. Whatever you do, whatever business, it's there to help someone get something. And if you stay in that mindset, business becomes easier. It's a lot less corny, a lot less tacky.
1: Richard, thank you for the conversation today. I think that's all we have time for (laughs) today. My pleasure. (laughs) Just before we go, one last question. Yeah, You're about to do something that you've never done before. And you're very nervous or very anxious. Okay. Is there a technique or a strategy that you can use and you can share to our listeners that you would actually implement or has actually helped you progress that fear or that that stress?
0: Oh, immediately. Yeah. If you've got a good imagination, what you need to do is Mm -hmm. run, run through the situation in your mind and we can all think of things in two ways, the worst way or the best way. I want you to attempt to think of it in the best way because our mind naturally tells us what might go wrong. I might fluff up my lines. I might forget this. I might drop this. I might mess up. But what if your mind was to say, What if it goes well? What if everybody applauds or cheers you? What if you're public speaking and it just goes fantastic? There is always a best way of thinking about things. If you can start running that through your mind, just even in your imagination, what you're doing is you're overruling the anxious part and you're giving yourself a good goal to work towards and when you actually get to the moment of doing what it is you're about to do your brain has already practiced it it's a bit like rehearsing a play if you practice and practice and practice on the night you know your lines because you've done it a thousand times well that still applies if you've just thought about something a thousand times in the best way if everything goes well and It kind of primes your brain to do well. And you go into the situation, you might have nervous butterflies, but hey, here's another tip. Call them excitement. Don't call it stress. Don't call it fear. Call it excitement. It's the same cortisol. It's the same chemical, the adrenaline that floods your body. Mm -hmm. Call it excitement. Give it a frame for what it actually is and say, I'm excited to do this. And I've already practiced a hundred times in my mind. This is going to go fantastic. Fantastic. It sounds weird. It sounds so simple, but hey, you try it. Let me know. Because I, 15 years and thousands of clients later, they've tried it and it works. So yeah, let your listeners yeah. give some feedback. Let them tell you how it works.
1: And as as you're speaking that, I'm actually recalling scenarios where people have asked me, how are you feeling? And yeah. instead of saying, I'm a bit nervous. No, it's I'm actually excited yeah. for, for things to come. I
0: did that myself. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's just that conversation changes the entire mindset of the approach.
0: It's a reframe. It's an NLP reframe. You change the language that you speak to yourself and you will get different results. Oh, God, I'm really nervous. Oh, God, I'm really excited. You can hear the difference. And even in saying that, you'll then start sending different chemicals out into your body and you'll get physical results as well as mental ones. Such a fascinating subject. I learn things every day. Even while I'm treating people, I'm learning. And that's why I enjoy it so much.
1: Okay, fantastic. Again, Richard, thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to be with us today. I'm sure our listeners have gained quite a bit of insight in terms of hypnosis, NLP, and just a few great tips on stress and stress management. Excellent. I'll make sure to have the links and the books that we've discussed about in the show notes below. Again, Richard, thank you.
0: It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for asking. Have a great night. You
1: too. Cheers. There you have it, guys. Thank you for tuning into the Stressless Entrepreneur Podcast with me, your host, Tommy Bowie. If you like what you've heard today, please make sure you subscribe to our show and share this podcast with your friends. Leave us a review so that we can take on your comments, grow with you as a channel and keep providing you quality, stress-free content. If you have a story to tell or just want to say hi, drop me an email on hello at entrepreneur.com. I'll catch you all on the next episode.